I'd like to invite all of the children who are in the sanctuary who would like to come forward and take a seat on one of our little animal circles. And if you're worshiping at home, move a little bit closer to your screen and join us. So great to see everybody. Come on up and pick an animal. Good to see you this morning. And if we run out of circles, we'll just spread out and everything will be all right. There's a fox up here real close if anybody wants to sit on the fox. Well, this morning, I want to tell you a famous old story. Once upon a time, there was an old man who was walking along a beach. And the night before, there had been a big storm at the beach, and all of these starfish had been moved up onto the beach. Have any of you ever seen a starfish before? Yeah, they have five points. Yeah, I've seen one on a show before. Well, you may know that they live in the ocean and they need to be in the water. But all of these starfish were up on the beach away from the water, which meant that they weren't going to live very long. But as the old man walked through and there were just so many starfish, he thought, well, I just can't do anything about this. There's so many of them. But as he kept walking, he saw a little boy who was picking up a starfish and throwing it back in the ocean picking up a starfish and throwing it back in the ocean. And the old man said to the little boy, why are you doing that? There are so many starfish, there are no, there's no way that you can save all of them. Why does it matter? And the little boy said as he held the starfish in his hand, well, it matters to this one. And he threw it back in the ocean. There are all sorts of needs in the world. And we can't always do everything for everybody, but we can do something. Each one of us can do something to help somebody else. And you all are so good at helping other people. So thank you for doing that. Let's pray together. Dear God, help us not to be overwhelmed by all the needs in the world. Help us to look around and see something we can do. No matter how small it seems, it matters to you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, if you're three to five years old, you can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Church in the chapel. And if you're older than five, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. Thank you all for coming up. I thought I would give the children time to leave because... Probably the last thing they want to hear about is the 13-volume work of the theologian Karl Barth called Kirchliga Dogmatik. Anybody heard of Karl Barth? He's probably one of the most celebrated European theologians of the 20th century. And he wrote 13 books, actually four volumes consisting of 13 books, about systematic theology delving deeply into questions like the Trinity and pneumatology and ecclesiology and eschatology and all of these things that we study in depth when we're in seminary. He was a well-known professor and often invited to go and speak in different places. And the story is told that he came to the United States and was on a speaking tour and was speaking in Boston, I believe. When a student at the end of his speech raised his hand and said, Professor Bart, if you could sum up all of your theology in one sentence, what would it be? 
And Karl Barth said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Sometimes the deepest truths can be summed up in a very simple way. Jesus himself preached the Sermon on the Mount and taught to the crowds all of his ministry, and yet he said, all of the law and all of the prophets can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The prophet Micah put it this way, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Sometimes it's those simple truths that touch us most deeply. Our scriptures are beautifully diverse. We have poetry, we have histories, we have gospels, we have letters, we have apocalyptic writing, and all of these voices are at the table in our scriptures. We have the, the letter to the Romans, Paul's long, deep theological treatise about grace. We have the book of Hebrews where the preacher is delving into this image of Jesus as the high priest and all of these complex arguments about who Christ is. And then we have the little letter of James, which is so simple and straightforward. Now, no one is really sure who wrote the letter of James, but many scholars believe, and I think it's a pretty convincing argument, that it was written by Jesus' brother. In the sixth chapter of Mark, we learn that Jesus had a half-brother named James. In the book of Acts, we learn that James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So he became a, a disciple of his brother, Jesus, and a leader in the church. The book of Acts also tells us that at some point, James wrote a letter that went out to all the churches. And some scholars believe that this is that letter that we have before us this morning. And it's so straightforward and simple. Even in the text that Ed read for us so beautifully, we heard, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Direct quote from Jesus, by the way. Religion that is pure and undefiled is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Don't show partiality in your churches. Don't prefer the rich to the poor. Love your neighbor as yourself. If someone is in front of you and they are naked and hungry, give them clothing and food. In some ways, the whole letter of James can be summed up. He got there first before Nike. Just do it. Just live out the faith. If you're not living it out, what good is it? And so we hear these simple words of James. Do good. Help people. Love your neighbor. And yet in our day and age, it doesn't seem so easy, does it? The teaching is simple, but how we live it out, how we help others, is more complicated. As my friend Kevin mentioned in our Habitat ministry moment, there is a lot happening in our world. 
and it can be overwhelming to us. In the world that we live in, we have a device. I don't have it with me in church, my phone. I intentionally leave it upstairs. But we, almost all of us, walk around with this little device, and 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we can see images, we can hear stories of the suffering of humankind all across the world. And the needs are overwhelming. And so how do we decide what to do and how to respond? James evokes that question of us this morning. How do we live this out in our lives today? Well, I don't have easy answers, but I do want to share with you two pieces of wisdom that just dropped in my lap this week that have been so insightful as I've pondered this question this week. The first comes from an article written by Nadia Boltz-Weber if some of you know Nadia Boltzweber, she is a Lutheran pastor, a theologian, and a writer. And she wrote an article this week with this title, If You Can't Take In Anymore, There's a Reason. And she talks about how we are wired as human beings to take in and to hold the suffering in our world, but only in a limited way. She puts it this way, friends, I just do not think our psyches were developed to hold, feel, and respond to everything coming at them right now. Every tragedy, injustice, sorrow, and natural disaster happening to every human across the entire planet in real time, every minute of every day. The human heart and spirit were developed to be able to hold, feel, and respond to any tragedy, injustice, sorrow, or natural disaster that was happening in our village, but not across the entire world all the time. I'm going to continue to see if you resonate with what she is saying here. And yet, when I check social media, it feels like there are voices saying, if you aren't talking about, doing something about, performatively posting about, fill in the blank, then you are an irredeemably callous, privileged bigot who is part of the problem. And when I am someone who does actually care about human suffering and injustice, it leaves me feeling terrible. I'm left wondering if I'm doing enough. And the answer is always no. No, I am not. I don't know how many of you feel that way, but I feel that way a lot. And so what Nadia Bolds Weber invites us to do in her essay is to recognize our limits. We cannot do it all. We cannot respond to every need that comes before us. But our job as followers of Jesus is to pray about and discern what is mine to do? What is ours to do? What unique gifts, what unique passions has God given to me? Or has God given to us as a congregation? That I can do. If your calling is prison ministry, go and do that. If your calling is, is immigration, go and do that and advocate for that. 
If you feel a lot of passion around environmental justice, go and devote yourself to that. If your calling is to sit at the bedside of those who are sick and care for them, go and give yourself to that. And then to trust that all of these other needs in the world, God will call others and equip others to respond to those needs. So we hear this invitation of James to help, to go and serve. We have guidance from our sister, Nadia Boltz-Weber, on how to do that without being overwhelmed. The other piece of wisdom I received this week comes from a podcast I've mentioned to you before. I listen to it every week, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. If you're a Harry Potter fan, I highly recommend this podcast. But they're back in book one, and they were talking about Neville Longbottom, and one of the co-hosts said, you know, this just reminds me that we need to listen to the vulnerable. Listen to the vulnerable. When we are praying about and seeking out ways that we can help and be in ministry in our world, isn't it wiser to listen to those who actually have those needs rather than to to sit in a room with ourselves and try and decide what other people need. James even says it in this passage, are not the poor and the needy and the vulnerable blessed with a particular faith by God? Do they not have the insight that we need to truly be in ministry? I have a friend who serves a church up in North Nashville, And he told a story about how he and his congregation were out one Saturday morning doing the feeding ministry that they do every week. They're deep in the community, building relationships and responding to needs there. And he said as they were doing that, this big charter bus pulls in from a big church way out in the suburbs. And this group of people steps out and and built a sound stage and they did a concert and they sang all about Jesus and they handed out brochures about Jesus and then they got in their bus and left. And my friend said he and his congregation were standing there just, there was no relationship, there was no listening to the need, there was just this assumption of we know what this community needs, we're going to go in there and do this concert and have a great fun and then leave. As we consider how to be in ministry and how to share Christ's love in our world, perhaps our first step is to listen with compassion, most especially to the vulnerable. I don't know if you were expecting a a deep theological treatise on the letter of James this morning, but that's not what I had to offer today. What I have to offer is just a few pearls of wisdom that God has brought before me as I've wrestled with the question that so many of us wrestle with, what can I do? James calls us not to do it all, but to do something. Do what we can, we can do something. But James goes further than that and says, we must. Amen.